have been already today. A little more light, please, so I can read my notes. You know, I'm not sure about you, but one of the things that really grabs me, if you would, about, about the reality of Easter is, what is it that I am supposed to experience this morning? What is it that's supposed to kind of take hold of my heart and take hold of my mind? What are we as the people of Jesus, what are we as IPC intended to experience in this place? There's a certain reality we experience on Good Friday, isn't there? Uh, it's a reality that's distinct, it's significant, and I think biblically there's a certain reality that is distinct and very significant that we are to engage in Easter Sunday morning. We're going to look at the story of, uh, of Easter from Matthew 28 today, and we're going to look at a couple of, of pictures, if you would, uh, that w- we are intended to uh, learn from and, and grow into even. The story is a, a, of, a, of two women who are going to uh, the tomb after the resurrection, Early Sunday morning, the text says, hard for us. If we were to take a moment and just close our eyes and use our imaginations, hopefully a God-inspired imagination, and, and, and try to think about the condition of their souls that day, it would be hard for us to do. Uh, Jesus was dead in their minds. They had lost a good friend, so there would have been grief in their hearts, a real brokenness, pain. It would have been tough. This man, Jesus, he had treated them as sinners and they were uh, in a way that no one ever had he had given them a dignity and a love that was life-changing for them he had promised them forgiveness for all of their sins he had introduced them into a relationship with god which in which they could call god abba father dad daddy this intimate relationship of love with, with with god that they would never have heard of before a relationship characterized by love and by grace not fear and judgment they had believed that he was the Messiah. They had hoped that, that there would be a world coming free from Roman brutality and Roman dictatorship and Roman domination. But they, the Romans, had killed him, Jesus. He was gone. This is a picture of a world filled with grief and with pain and with bitter disappointment. One of crushed dreams, a picture of utter despair and defeat. And all that was left was for them to go to the tomb and to anoint this dead man's body with oil with oil and somehow carry on there's a picture that is painted for us in this text so when they go to this tomb they weren't expecting much but i want you to read with me and i want you to hear what they walked into that day matthew 28 1 to 7 after the sabbath at the dawn of the first day of the week mary magdalene and the other mary went to look at the tomb There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. My friends, I want to tell you that paints an incredibly different picture from from the reality that I just described to you. For them and for us. The first thing that happens in the passage is there is an earthquake. 
the earth shuddered under their feet, just as it had in the moment of Jesus' death on the cross, as the power of God and of heaven is released into this world. It was an, an amazing and probably terrifying moment. But I want to tell you, it was, a, it was a moment of magnificence as the glory of God is beginning to be revealed to them. Then they see an angel who has come from heaven, an angel of the Lord, an angel who has been in the presence of God. This is a superior being to them beyond what they have ever seen or known. This angel, such as other angels, angels in scripture, is this powerful presence. And he, like all other angel, angelic appearances, produces fear in human beings, as is the case here. With apparent ease, he rolls the heavy stone away from the entrance to the tomb. This is a symbol, this stone, a symbol of the finality of death. This is the seal of death across the tomb of Jesus. Now, they didn't need to move the stone for Jesus to get out. If you know the story, going forward, Jesus has a resurrected body. He could appear and he could disappear as he did in the upper room. He didn't need the stone rolled away in order to be freed from the tomb. This, this was a message. This was a demonstration to the world that death could not hold Jesus Christ back. You cannot seal in the living Son of God. The grave was opened and the power of God was there for all to see. And then the text says the angel sat on it. Now why of all the details that could have been recorded about this particular incident did the gospel writer feel it important to suggest that the angel sat on the stone? Picture it in your mind's eye, your imagination one more time. I want to tell you this is a picture of the triumph as, uh, of triumph as God's representative overcomes this symbol of the finality of death and he sits on it. And his appearance, the text says it's like lightning and his clothes are as white as snow. The one who had been with God, just like Moses who had once been with God and who had to cover his face because his face showed the glory of God shining brightly so that people couldn't look at him. This one who had been with God in recent moments shone as lightning in that moment, reflecting the glory of the living God. So it was literally hard to look at this glorious being who was brilliant in light and his clothes were white representing the pureness and the sinlessness and the holiness of God. You see, the glory of heaven was breaking through on earth. The glory of heaven was breaking through on the earth. The majesty and the power and the magnificence of God was being revealed in this new day. The reaction of the Roman guard to what was going on was uh, significant because they, they fell paralyzed with fear at the feet of this angel. These people who represented the cruel, dominating, and powerful Romans, you know, they were now as dead before the representative of the, of the Lord himself. You know, these are the ones who had spit in the face of Jesus. These are the ones who had beaten him with their fists. These are the ones, at least representing those individuals, the Romans, who had whipped the Lord Jesus and who had nailed him to a cross. These are the ones who had crucified him. And here they are now, terrified, collapsed on the ground. Weak, overcome, humbled. Are you beginning to see a different picture emerge 
from Easter Sunday morning? Are you beginning to see that reality of God revealing himself in power? You know, the, the, the Romans um, here representing this great Roman power are prostrate before the representative of God. Who, my friends, is powerful now? Who is in control now? Who is to be feared now? And then the proclamation that came from, from his lips when the angel said, He is not here. He is risen. He is not here. The Lord Jesus, whom, who was crucified, he is no longer in this grave. He has risen to new life. Christ could not be defeated by death or the powers of this world. Christ has overcome. And then they add on to that little phrase, these words, just as he said. You know, just as Jesus had planned, just as Jesus had determined would be the case, he was in control. The Lord Jesus had chosen, chosen his plan. God is in control in terms of determining the future of this world, not the chief priests and not the Sadducees and not the Pharisees and not King Herod and not Pilate. And then these words, he, Jesus, has gone ahead of you. Go tell his disciples so that you can see him in Galilee. Meet him there. The king, the Lord, the savior of the world is on the move. And the future will unfold as he chooses. Because he is risen. And he is God. See, my friends, there are two pictures here. Two worlds, if you would. <laughs> One in which God is revealed at the dawn of the first day of the week, this Easter Sunday morning. My friends, I want to tell you we can live in one of two worlds. We can live in despair and in bitter disappointment. We can, we can live submitted to the power of sin and evil at work in this world and in our hearts. We can live hopeless because it seems that the powers of this world are too powerful and that they are overcoming and that they are winning. We can live in that world where darkness prevails and defeat is our lot, or we can live in the world of the resurrected Jesus Christ. A world in which the power of heaven breaks into our world. A world where we know and experience the reality that God has gained the victory and that God has power to defeat evil and sin and the death. It's a world in which we can be set free from that sin and that power. And we can reign victorious with Christ. My friends, we live not in defeat and despair and disappointment, but in the triumphant overcoming of the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself, filled with hope as this text provides for us, filled with a knowledge of his, his victory, filled with joy, because a new day has dawned and God is with us. Death is defeated and we have a living Savior who is on the move and who will, according to his intention and plan, stamp out evil and redeem his creation. That is the world in which we can live. I want to read to you a psalm that uh, speaks in very powerful ways to this reality. Just a few, a few verses from Psalm 98, verses 1 to 3. We're going to read it in the New Living Translation. This is a psalm that was speaking to its day. This is a psalm where the psalmist recognizes what God has done for him. But you know, as Christians, we read psalms like this through the lens of the resurrection of Christ. Listen to this. 
Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. What has he done? He has raised his son. His right hand has won a mighty victory. His holy arm has shown his saving power. The Lord has announced his victory and has revealed his righteousness to every nation. He has remembered his promise to love and be faithful to, to Israel. The ends of the earth have seen what? They have seen the victory of our God. My friends, I want to tell you, the victory of God has been accomplished in Christ. And it is done. His power has come into this world. His work of redemption is underway. And my friends, I want to tell you, we can step into that world. We can participate in it. We can experience the reality of heaven and the power of God invading this earth. I want to go to Matthew 28, verse, back again to that text, to, ver, to verses 8 to 10. It describes the interaction of these women with Jesus himself. And I want to tell you the first thing we see. Oh, I better read them first. Matthew 28. Verses 8 to 10. So the woman hurried away from the tomb. They've encountered the victory. They've encountered this message. They've en encountered the glorious power of be having been revealed into this world through the angel and what he says. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And listen to this. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. Greetings. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. You know, the first thing we see in this, in this story is Jesus coming to them. The risen Lord Jesus, the one who is alive, the one who has overcome the powers of this world and, and who is revealing himself to them. Jesus came and met them, it says. I want to tell you, in a very similar fashion, the Lord Jesus, the living Lord Jesus, still comes to us that we might meet him. You know, the reality is there, there would have been a huge difference that day between these women having heard that Jesus is alive, having seen the evidence of the absence of his body, having been told that he has been, he has been raised to new life, by, even by an angel, the representative of God himself, but there would have been a huge difference between them hearing that Jesus was alive and them actually seeing him for themselves, hearing his voice, holding on to his feet as they did. And I want to tell you it's the same with us. Easter doesn't become the powerful thing that it can become until we go beyond hearing that Jesus has come to new life go beyond hearing that he's been raised in our life until we come to that incredibly precious place in our experience when Jesus comes to meet us. When he comes and we know that we are in the presence of the risen and living God, that he is there for me. And I want to ask you this morning, my friend, which category do you find yourself in today? Hearing again about a Christ who was raised to the dead 2,000 years ago or someone who has come to know the precious and life-changing moment when Jesus Christ shows up in your life and says, Hi, have you met him or have you just heard about him? Three things happen in sequence in this very little, ver very small verse that's before you today. In the life of these women, the first thing says that they 
came to him. You know what the New Living Translation says? The New Living Translation says that they ran to him, eager to be with their Lord once again, eager to be in the presence of the living and risen Christ. You know, there are some people who maybe sense the presence of Jesus in their life, and instead of running to him, they run away from him. Wanting nothing to do with him, maybe afraid of him, maybe this is too strange, too odd to get their heads around. Maybe afraid of what Christ might do or require of them. Certainly, if that is the case, unaware of his deep, deep love for them, unaware of the incredible wisdom which dwells in his mind for them, unaware of the goodness in his heart for them, blind to his reality. Some people run away from the presence of Jesus. But I want to tell you, my friends, this one named Jesus, if and when he shows up in your life and says, hi, greetings. If you have that moment in your life when you sense the presence of the risen Christ in a powerful and a beautiful way, I want to tell you in him is everything that you hope for in life. In him is the love that you long for and the grace that you need and the forgiveness that is required in order for us to know true life and the joy that these women knew. And I want to tell you, we too can run to Jesus. And I want to ask you in all sincerity today, have you done it? Have you encountered him? And have you moved toward him in faith? What did these women then do? It says they clasped his feet. It's a little odd, I suppose, for us to picture this, but essentially what they did literally was they fell before him. Not like the soldiers in fear, but in love and in deep humility. We've talked a lot in recent weeks here at IPC about bowing in the presence of idols, alternate gods, recognizing them and recognizing their significance and their greatness in our lives. But here, my friends, these women bowed, recognizing the greatness of Jesus as they had never known it before. They recognized who he was, and they recognized in their bodily position the, the fact that they were in the presence of the exalted and risen Son of God, the one who had gained victory over death. They bowed in the presence of the Savior of the world. I want to tell you, you too, as can I, not only come to know is Jesus as we move toward him and find the grace and the love and the joy, the forgiveness, the relationship. My friends, we can come to a place in our lives where we learn to bow in his presence and recognize his greatness. Have you? And the third thing the text says is that they worshipped him. They worshipped him. You know, again, we've learned of this, but they elevated Christ in their mind and in, the, in their lives. They gave him the glory that he deserved as the son of God. The glory, the weightiness we've talked about, the, the, the significance. They gave him weight in their lives as the majestic and awesome God that he was worthy of, of them giving them their faith, giving him their faith and their obedience. Yes, even their lives. 
My friends, these things I want to suggest to you we are called to when we see and when we understand the breaking in of heaven and the power of God into this world through the resurrection of Jesus. Now, one of the things that I've pondered in recent weeks is why do we, why do, we do this thing called Easter? Um, nowhere in the Bible does it say take it one week in the year and focus particularly on Jesus' death and particularly on his resurrection. We're supposed to do that all year long, and of course we do. But I recognize the wisdom, is it, wisdom in it because we need to be reminded again and again and again and again of the mighty victory that God has won in Christ. We need to be reminded over and over and over again how heaven has unleashed its power in this earth and that we who are in Christ are recipients of their reality so that we can be set free from false gods and inferior powers and sin and evil that holds us in its grasp. This is a day to step into that world again and to be reminded of who it is we know and love and worship. There are three things these women did, and I want to ask you today. I want to ask you, is there one of these whereby you need to step in to the resurrection power of Christ himself? Are there some people here today who maybe are recognizing the Lord Jesus is here for you? Are there people here who need rather than turning away from and running away from Jesus, need to run into his arms of love and of grace and of wisdom and of truth and of joy? Are there people here who need to go toward Jesus in faith and to know his embrace as you seek his forgiveness and enter into that relationship with the living God characterized not by fear and judgment, but by love and by grace? My friends, Jesus is here. By his spirit, the resurrected Christ is here to meet you. And if you have never walked toward him and accepted him by faith, can I invite you today to do so? To trust him? To trust his love? And to enter into that relationship whereby you recognize him as Lord and Savior of your life. Another way we can enter into this world of resurrection power is by humbling ourselves, if you would, at the feet of Jesus. By recognizing his greatness in our lives, in his life, our greatness in our life, that it is he who is the great one. You see, so many times it is so possible to have faith in Jesus, even to have gone toward him and entered into a relationship, but not humble ourselves fully in his presence and say, Lord, my life is to be lived now for you, no longer for me. My life is to be lived in, the tr in trust in what you call me to, in your purpose for my life, in the truth of your words, that I will embrace. And in great humility, I come into your presence and I recognize your greatness and I humble myself before you and I yield my life to you. Anyone here today who's never yielded their life to Jesus Christ, the risen, victorious, all-powerful Savior and Lord of this world. 
third way we can enter into this resurrection reality, this unleashing of heaven's power and truth into this world, to come as these women did, humbled at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him, worshiping him. Again, we've talked of these things, but the idea being here that, that no longer will we worship alternate gods. No longer will we elevate that which is made of wood or stone or those things which God has given to us that he, we might use to glorify him. Now we are going to worship Christ and Christ alone. We will come to that place in life where truly we will elevate him in our minds, in our hearts, and in our lives and commit ourselves to live for him. For he is the living Lord. And he alone is worthy of our hearts, of our lives, of our praise, of our worship. My, my friends, the, the power of heaven is broken into this earth. It happened on the first Easter Sunday. And it happens as we who are the people of Jesus, as we who have walked into relationship with him and who have humbled ourselves before him and who worship him in an ongoing fashion, allow the reality of that world to break into our lives. For it is there, my friends, we too experience the power of the risen Christ dwelling in us. We too learn what it means to overcome the power of this world and of the sin that dwells within us. And we break free to understand and discover and know the reality of Christ alive in me. So I ask you today, in all seriousness, before God, for we are before him. Do you know what it means to not only have heard about the resurrection of Jesus, but to understand the reality, the power, the victory of Christ in your life. Do these things, my friends. Come to him. Humble yourselves before him. Worship him and him alone. And Jesus promises that you will find life. Jesus promises that heaven and its power will break into your experience and set you free. My friends, Christ has come to save the world, but I want to tell you he has come to save you. That you might know joy and love and grace, peace and victory over sin and evil. That you might discover him alive in your life. Gracious God, we want Easter resurrection. We want the, the inbreaking of the power of God and of heaven into this world to be more than a story from the past. We want it to be the reality of what we, the people of Christ, experience in this world. Lord, we recognize the power of sin and evil. It's still at work in this world. We recognize that power which can take hold of our lives and cause us to, 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 to be um, controlled. That thing which causes life to flee from us and brings us defeat and darkness, disappointment, grief, sadness. God, we want none of it. We want to break free in the knowledge of Jesus. And Lord, you offer those precious moments 
when Jesus draws close, when Jesus comes as he came to these women, he comes to us and he meets us and he greets us. And he says by the quiet voice of his spirit in our lives, speaking to our spirit, I am here. The living Lord Jesus is here before you. And he says, what will you do with me? Lord, for those who have never run to him and sought his forgiveness and embraced him by faith, we take just a moment right now. If anyone here is sensing the presence of Christ, that presence they have never known, that presence they have never responded to, that they might do so. For those of you who would like to run to Jesus, I invite you in the quietness of your own hearts and in your own minds to pray this brief, simple prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I recognize that you rose from the dead and that you overcame the power of sin and evil and that now I sit in your presence, that you have come to me and I pray that you will forgive me for my sins, all of them. And I pray that you will show me your abundant grace. And I pray that you will receive me and make me one of your own. Today I trust in you, Lord Jesus. And I give myself to you. Lord, there may be some people here, people of faith, people who have taken that initial step of faith, but they've never really humbled themselves before you. They've never really put you in that place where you and you alone are to be worshipped, turning aside from alternate gods, idols, giving themselves wholeheartedly and completely to the Savior of this world. If that is you, I invite you to pray this prayer quietly in your heart in the presence of the one who is here to meet you. Dear Lord Jesus, I know you are mine and that I am yours. But I have never yielded my life to you fully and completely. But here in this place, I recognize who you are the victorious and glorious and majestic and all-powerful Son of God. And here in this place, I fully and completely yield my life to you. I will trust you with whatever you call me to do, with wherever you want me to go. But here and now, I bow before you and I give you glory as never before. For you are Savior and you are Lord. In this place, I yield my life to you. Lord God, you have done a remarkable and incredible and beautiful thing in the resurrection of your Son. Allow us to be people who not only hear about it and remember what once happened, but experience the reality of Christ in us, our hope, the source of our power over sin and evil, the source of our joy, the source of the satisfaction of the deepest longing of our heart. 
the love that we long for in this world. Gracious God, do your work in us that we might celebrate with great joy that Christ is alive. Amen. In his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks, Chris. Why don't we stand up together? Um, thank you for being here with us. We trust that as you go today that you'll go with that reality that his power lives in you. I want to invite you to a time of coffee if you'd like to um, have coffee and connect and uh, celebrate together. And also, if you, if you did pray one of those prayers and you want to connect more, the prayer team will be here. And uh, there will be people here available to talk to. So bless you as a go. We're going to sing you out. Have a fantastic Easter and don't eat too much chocolate. God bless you. You guys are free to go.